Welcome to the Localization Fireside Chat. I'm Robin Ayoub, your host. Join me for captivating conversations with industry leaders exploring localization, translation, and global communication. Ignite your curiosity as we expand your horizons through these conversations. So let's dive in together into the Localization Fireside Chat. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Localization Fireside Chat. Happy New Year, everybody. Brand new year. We are January 5th today, and I welcome you to another episode on the Localization Fireside Chat. My name is Robin Ayoub. I'm the founder and the host of this conversation that's been going on now for about a year almost. I, sh- I shouldn't say a year. It's less, less than a year. It's about eight months now we've been going on. We just broke the 100,000 record of views on YouTube and our podcast is going like so we're very proud we're very happy we're very thankful and grateful to all the viewers and all the support we've been getting for this uh, conversation today i'm honored and i'm i have the distinct pleasure to be joined by scott cox and uh, i met scott a few months ago now and he impressed me with the initiatives that he's been running anything that it has to do with digital media and marketing and sales and hiring and Scott is joining me this morning from Vietnam. So thanks for taking a late call with me, Scott, today. And welcome to the channel. As we say on this channel, Scott, everybody's got a story. And this is your chance to tell your story. And I can't wait to hear it. A digital nomad is, you know, last time I spoke to you, you were in Bali. And now you're in Vietnam. I can't wait to hear the, the story. And and the audience can't wait to hear what this is all about. So go for it. Yeah, Robin, thank you so much for having me and Happy New Year to everyone. Happy New Year to you as well. Hopefully 2024 is kinder to us than the previous few years have been. But yeah, so I'm in Vietnam now. In a couple of weeks, I'll be in Thailand. And then in a couple of months, I'll be in Serbia. And this is just kind of what my life has become. It's pretty fast paced and just pretty crazy, but I love it. I love the change, the challenge and the adventure. And you know, this life, this is a lifestyle. One of the things I've realized is that this is a lifestyle choice. Initially, when I decided to make the decision to leave the United States where I'm from, you know, it was like something that was kind of fun to do. It was a good idea. And then as I've grown into this lifestyle, I've realized that it's, it's it's really drastically different than the life I led in the United States. And thankfully, I love it because <laughs> I made a pretty serious choice to pursue it. But it's, it's definitely a lifestyle choice. And, you know, kind of how I got here is just, you know, I, you know, I, I started out as a kid in a sales job. Uh, who was pretty insecure and lacked a lot of self-confidence and, you know, got this sales job, which really forced me to come out of my shell. It was with a Fortune 500 company. And so I got really good, you know, well, as far as, you know, large corporations go, really good training and was in an environment to where it really pushed me to come out of my shell and, and be able to learn how to communicate. It was a sales position. So I learned how to sell and I learned selling tactics and techniques. But, you know, And I'm sure that many of your audience here, you know, since they're business owners can relate. I remember sitting in that job one day and I was between a customer and I was between a manager and the customer didn't want something and the manager wanted me to push something. And I just remember sitting there being like, there's got to be more to life than this. (laughs) Like there just has to be more. And so, so I left that job and I pursued some, some business endeavors and you know, that was about nine years ago at this point. And so it's been nine years of fighting in the trenches, as people like to say, of figuring out this whole business thing. I'm the first business owner in my family. I, you know, 
am the first one who's really gone outside of the United States and traveled and things. So I'm setting a lot of precedence in my family, but that also meant that was a big learning curve. There's absolutely a big learning curve. I knew nothing about business. I knew a little bit about sales. I knew a little bit about marketing and and that's really kind of one of my innate skill sets is marketing. And so thankfully that was something that I could learn and master very quickly. But yeah, one of the businesses that I kind of stumbled into was a marketing agency. And the the way that worked was I had a friend in the business community who knew me and he knew I was, I, I was at this current time, I was in a small town of like 300,000 people in Florida. And I was known as the, the Facebook guy because I was, you know, active on Facebook. Like that's all it took at that point in time. This is like nine years ago to be known as the Facebook guy. Right. And so just being active posting and stuff. And so he reached out to me and he's like, Hey, you know, I want to grow my company on social media. I believe it's, it's, you know, a, a good way to do it. I don't have any idea how to do it. I see you're active. Would you help me? And I said, sure. Can you pay me three months in advance? Cause I'm in between gigs. And he said, yeah, absolutely. And we got started. We had a ton of success and that really kind of the painted the picture for the next uh, six or seven years or so. And, you know, eventually, I think about two years ago now at this point, I exited that business. And the main reason I exited was because I was a service provider and most of my clients needed more than just services. They needed guidance, they needed direction, and they needed support. And I was not able to do a higher level of support, guidance, and leadership and education while also trying to provide services at a very high level with a full team and you know clients and everything. And so I transitioned into my current company, which is STX Consulting. And we do sales, marketing, strategy, consulting. We do skills training and you know we do hiring, coaching and consulting and, and implementation as well. And so, you know, basically through the different, you know, the corporate job I had, the different businesses I've started and the agency I had, you know, I was really able to lock in and figure out, you know, how does marketing a small business look like? How does developing a sales strategy for small businesses look like? You know, how do small businesses, you know, start to scale from six figures to seven figures and then multiple seven figures? You know, the thing with small businesses in particular is that they have limited budgets and they have limited time frames and they have limited time spans and you know it's a challenge to be able to navigate that with those those hurdles and be able to do something consistently implement a strategy consistently enough to actually see results compound and start to grow but you can do it and we were able to figure that out and i was able to carve out that niche and you know i just figured hey now what i can do is i can help small businesses, instead of just providing the service and charging them a premium for it, you know, I can help them build their own teams and do all of that work in-house, which will honestly lower costs, especially long-term than hiring an agency or hiring outside help and, you know, increase their profitability, increase their ability to move quicker and their long-term results and just be able to grow their businesses. And, they don't have to be a digital nomad. They don't have to travel the world. They don't have to leave their home country, but I am very passionate about, and I'm very focused on helping my friends, my colleagues, and my clients live a life of purpose and passion and whatever is important to them, whether they want to spend more time with their family, give back to their community, 
whatever it is, you know, that comes through freedom. And that comes through for many people building a business where they not only are making money, but they actually have control over their time. And that's really the trick. And so that's what I'm, I'm focused on. And that's what I'm doing. Excellent. Now, one of the things that, you know, you know, that our industry in the localization industry is primarily made up of a small to medium size companies, like any other, like any other industry in the service-based industries or knowledge-based industries, if, if you want to go that far in defining the industries. They're primarily made up of, you know, you've got like the 800-pound gorillas at the top of the list, and you've got few of those. And then you've got a, you know, a long list of small to medium-sized enterprises or companies that there are in, the, in between. Now, from, a, from your experience, from your expertise, did it matter to you or were you seeing any better successes with industries versus other industries in terms of applying your strategy? So from a local, if somebody owns a localization company, they happen to be like, have like, I don't know, five, 10 employees, they're running, at a, they're running it in Spain or any other non-English speaking countries. Does it matter? Can you help them? How? That's a great question. So with the agency, we never specialized in, in an industry. And that might have been one of the reasons why the agency didn't grow bigger. However, size wasn't necessarily always a factor for me. I was after a business that would support a lifestyle as well. And there are challenges to not being specific on one industry if, if that's if that's not the dedicated choice. So every industry, every business, even if it's the same type of business in different locations, I don't care what any marketing guru wants to tell you that they have the secret ad formula or the perfect, amazing content that will blow up your business. Every business in, in different areas is different because you have a different audience. And what you're doing when you talk about marketing, when you talk about sales, is you're talking about people, right? And people are different. People have different interests, their interests change, they have different cultures, different backgrounds. And so absolutely, it makes a difference, the type of industry you're in, the type of service you're providing, who your audience is. My real specifically for me, my skill set has really been able to come into small businesses and not look at it so much from a point of view of, you know, okay, what what industry are you in and what's the industry problem? But no, who is your audience? Who are you serving? And what is their specific problem? And I think that's where a lot of small business owners can get led astray by the marketing industry is, you know, people want to focus on, oh, this is the industry problem, but that, and that's important, but it's like, what is your customer problem? Like who is the actual person on the other end of the desk or the phone or the computer that you're actually serving? What is their specific problem? And that's really what I found matters. If you can focus on who that person is that you're talking to, then that that's going to, that's going to skyrocket your success. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we talked on this channel so many times before is what is the problem and what is the solution that you're providing to that problem as a service provider? From a, from a, you know, we're starting a brand new year. Everybody's excited first few days of January. However, I mean, like in sales and marketing, the clock starts to tick in January 1st, if your financial year is starting in January. And so, you know, I've seen some of your, some of your videos on uh, YouTube, uh, you know, how to make easy sell. I love that video. So we're starting awesome. brand new year. So any advice from your perspective, you know, for somebody who is, you know, struggling or looking to add new customers, what are the things that you can do initially in the year, some tangible advice 
that they can propel themselves at the beginning of the year? Well, that's a loaded question because there's so many avenues you could go down. I would say from a sales perspective, double down on what's working. So double down on the type of customers that you enjoy working with the most and that are paying you the most money. Go after those customers. From a marketing perspective, you know, what I'm seeing even for service, even for local service businesses, you know, if they're very localized and have have a geographic area that they're serving, you know, is you, you have to build an audience. You know, the old school methods of sending out cold emails and cold calling and stuff like that, they can work, but they are much less effective and they are much more just taxing as a small business owner. And so really, I think the way going forward with the social media platforms we have, the way technology is moving, you know, is you really should be creating an audience online. So you should be creating content, putting that online, that content should reflect not just your products and services, not just the problem and solution, but should reflect your businesses or even your specific belief systems, your convictions, the things that you're passionate about. And what you will end up doing is you will attract an audience base that thinks like you and they have the same values that you do. And then once you have that audience built, this is how influencers or people that have built audiences, this is how this actually works. They are putting out their thoughts, their beliefs, their values. They're collecting an audience of people that think like them. And then what they do is they think about a problem that they had, right? And they thought about how they solved it. And then what they do is they offer that solution to their audience base. Because if someone thinks like you, they probably have similar problems that you do, and they probably need a similar solution. And so if you're already in a business, you already have a product or service, you probably, for most small business owners, you probably are offering that because that was a problem for you and you found a solution and you're like, right. hey, this is amazing. I want to offer it to other people. And so what I would say from a big marketing standpoint with most small business owners, just it doesn't seem to click as far as marketing goes, is this idea of building an audience that is an audience of them, right? When you focus on you as the audience person, right? You're going to understand who the audience is. You're going to understand their problems. You're going to understand the solutions they're looking for. You're going to understand how they think. And this is going to simplify the marketing and it's going to make the marketing way more effective. And you're going to see a lot more results. It still takes a lot of time. There's no quick to marketing. It takes a lot of time. Correct. But you bring a very very good point though, around creating the audience that there's no quick fix because you know, most of the thinking is in any business, you know, why did you create the business? Because you thought it was a good idea. And right. the great idea that you, you know, that you came up with and you put a business behind it, specifically on the localization side of things, and or not necessarily localization, it could be anything else. That this business is a great idea that to have it in place because you're servicing a, a customers, you're fixing a problem, etc. And then you start pondering, well, how come customers are not coming to me? How come people are not mm-hmm. lining up to buy my services? Well, then, you know, this is where we need to, as you said, we need to get out of our shells a little bit. You know, maybe the, maybe the, maybe the advice that you're giving, if I can summarize it, is your strategy for 2024 for anybody is to take a content strategy, put your content out there, put yourself out there, you know, broadcast yourself in whatever means you want, you want to do this. Not necessarily everybody not, now is going to create a podcast channel, but whatever it is, right. vlogging, emailing. You know, build a tribe around your ideas 
and let those individuals become your ambassadors, if you will, to the rest of the world. Am I summarizing it correctly? Yeah, no, that that's 100% correct. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you have to, you, we're in such a competitive world these days. People's attention is so, well, you know, actually, I won't say that. It's not that people's attention is so flaky. It's just that there's so many things that are interesting to watch that they're there's just competing interests, Scott, right? There's, there's yeah, competing interests. Yeah. Yeah, they're just not going to spend time on things that aren't interesting to them. So, you know, the best way, because small business owners, most of them were not educated on marketing, on sales, on anything. And I, I lumped myself into that. You know, I, I wasn't educated on any of this. I had to figure it out. And, you know, the easiest way to do this is to think, to put yourself as the audience and attract an audience of you. And when you do that, you're going to nail the marketing message every time and you're just going to have so much more success. So absolutely. And, and and I think you agree with me by saying, you know, there are there ought to be a a focused strategy on this. It cannot be one of those, you know, I throw mud on the wall and see what sticks. It's it's got to be more like I know my product, I know my services because I'm very in tune with it. I created it kind of a business owner. Mm -hmm. And I know my customer and I know my audience. So what messaging I need to create that will fit that environment versus let me put a whole bunch of things out there and see what, you know, attract. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, this is the, I call it the entrepreneur's curse, right? There's so many options. There's so many shiny objects that we could reach out for. You know, it becomes hard to commit to a specific thing or a specific strategy and in long-term. And, and this is really what I've seen causes small business owners to stay small and not grow and not reach their goals. I've been victim to this. My clients have been victim to this. Success and growth, specifically for business, is in the mundane and the boring. It's in the consistency. And, you know, that is never more evident than in your marketing. You have to have a specific strategy. You do have to know when to adjust and, and when to, you know, change it up a little bit. But erring on the side of caution, small business owners need to be committing to a strategy that they can do consistently far more than they need to think about implementing a shiny new object or a shiny new strategy that's supposed to skyrocket them to success. So in a small business environment, which you you know, you alluded to earlier that you operate in, and we are in our industry, predominantly small, small to medium business with lots of entrepreneurs don't have an unlimited budget. And when, you know, personally, when I talk to them and I ask you know, about their marketing and sales strategy, they say, you know, we're not as big of a company, we don't have a lot of budget, and we can't afford it. It becomes a challenge for them to figure out how can I do this. And, and I, to me, I'm surprised when I hear what I, I can't do it because I don't have enough resources, fund resources to fund this particular strategy, because most of the stuff I look around, and it's increasingly the case where you have a lot of tools, a lot of ways you can do these things nowadays, without paying a lot of money. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about like this entire space of open source of any tools now, many right. tools that are, you know, open source, many applications, many ways you can do these things now with limited to no money, to be honest with you. If you pay like $20 subscription for a specific something that allows you to, it's not, not going to break the bank. But at the end of the day, it's fun. You know, the lack of fund or the lack of budget cannot be, an excuse anymore. Do you agree with me on, on this one? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it's still a real challenge 
for small business owners, they they have to, you know, the other thing with budget is it's not just budget, it's the high and low season, right? Every small business goes through peaks and valleys of sales. And sure. so what, what ends up happening is small business owners, when they're making money, they will tend to invest right into a strategy. But then as soon as that starts to slow down or, you know, the season starts to slow down, they, they pull back and they don't continue to invest in that. And so, you know, budget is definitely a hurdle, but absolutely with all the different technologies and softwares we have now and the access to remote workers where you can hire people for three to $5 an hour, I don't care what anyone says, I'm still hiring for my clients, remote workers that are professional, that'll run circles around a lot of people in Western countries for three to $5 an hour. And they are very happy for the opportunity to work. And, and it's a very great experience. And so when you compare, in my experience, when you pair those two things, when you pair being able to hire a remote worker to push buttons per se, and then you have the software that's going to help them do better quality work and then, and, and do more work quicker. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like there's, and, and honestly, there's just no choice. Like we don't have a choice as small business owners. What else are you going to do if you're not marketing, you know, and and you're not selling, you're not really operating like a business. And so, you know, it may be hard to hear for some, but, you know, th- this is, we have to do this. And, and unfortunately, again, we're not educated as small business owners a lot of times on these concepts. And so I think a lot of this doesn't actually come down from budgetary reasons, but a lot of times it just comes down from maybe fear or a lack of understanding or knowledge of how to actually do something successfully or, or what actions will lead to success long-term. So in my experience, and I don't know if you've seen this, is because many times the entrepreneur who started the company, they're not familiar with this whole idea of sales and marketing. You started from, I'm the idea owner, you know, I'm an expert at it. And I, you know, got a few contracts, I put it together, I'm starting some, you know, to see some revenue coming in. But that individual is really not the individual should be, you know, running it as a business. And what I've been recommending to some of the people is like, if you're faced with this, and you either don't want to exit the business, don't want to sell the business, you want to stay around, and but you have a hope and desire to see the business grow, go to the next level. Maybe your idea is to hire somebody that can take the company to the next level, who are have business acumen, who are done this before, who are an expert at, you know, how do I take company from whatever X you are at and multiply it by whatever X you want them to get to. And right. a lot of times people have a hard time relinquishing the control or disconnecting a little bit and stepping back a little bit and say, what am I good at? And it becomes a more of a personal reflection, to be honest with you, reflection on what are you good at and reflecting on what I am, you know, I can do versus what I need help with. And a lot of people think, well, you know, I'm, I'm it, I'm the guy, how can I not, you know, it becomes more of a complex issue saying, I can't relinquish this because I've always been viewed as an expert at this. Well, you're expert at one thing, but you may not be expert at everything. And this is where you need to have extra help at it. Have you faced that? Absolutely. I mean, even myself, when, you know, I had my business. So it's funny. I always say like, when I first started my agency, I was doing 15 to $20,000 a month from home in my underwear, you know, in my boxers. And it was such a, you know, funny thing to say, and it was such a cool thing to say, but it was, it was generally true. You know, I wasn't doing meetings in my boxers, but you know, I was, I was, you know, working, waking up and working and just enjoying it. And 
you know, when you have to, when you start getting that influx of customers, or you really have that desire to grow the business, yeah, you, you have to start looking at what things that you're good at, what things you can, you should and could outsource or or hand off to somebody else. And that does, it takes a lot of self-reflection. And this is honestly what is the key to business growth in general is that personal development and that personal self-reflection. I mean, that's, this is what holds business owners back. This is what's held me back. Robin, it's what's holding you back from getting to the next level. Everybody is, there's something that we don't know or some skill set we need to implement or just some belief system we need to to come across or, or perspective we need to have in order to make that shift. And, you know, this, this being able to let go of our baby, you know, being willing to let go of this identity, you know, it's, it's, you, you have to, if you want to grow a business, you really have to be able to decide if you can transition from being a bricklayer to someone who owns a bricklaying company, because they are two very completely different roles. And, you know, if you can't make that transition, then that's where, like you said, you either need to sell or you need to, you know, maybe, maybe you're okay with a small business where you just implement, you know, that has challenges as well, you know, but maybe you're just okay with that. You have to make that decision yourself as a business owner. That's right. And, you know, most of most companies in a localization industry, they operate globally, right? So, of course, they have local local office somewhere, but they tend to have contractors and translators and editors and content narrators, if you will, in a variety of countries and by the nature of the business. So if somebody says, you know, I'm in uh, Eastern Europe, but I'm working on a piece of content or a document for Japan, for instance, they need to have somebody in Japan uh, handling it or somebody who speaks Japanese outside of the Japan, uh, Japan as a country. So they are in tune to that. But on the administrative part, on the operational part, where things get a little tricky sometimes, right? And you mentioned earlier, you know, you hire remote worker. So in your opinion, you know, I've seen this wave of hiring from, goes from one country to, to another country and what's hot today may not be as hot tomorrow. So which country, in your opinion right now, is taking the, taking the, lead, the lead on hiring remote workers who are skilled, but meanwhile cost effective for the business? Which country are you targeting right now? I mean, Philippines is is definitely the leading source of remote workers. They they have they've had an influx of foreign companies that they call BPOs in the Philippines that have established there. There's a whole infrastructure in the Philippines for you know these remote workers, and they speak a lot of English, and so you know that's that's a very desirable trait. And so the Philippines is is has been one of the longest standing countries for hiring remote workers. And it's, it's still probably the premium or, or the, the primary country where people can hire and get the most variety from. But I mean, you know, look through my travels, you know, I've been, like I said, I was in Indonesia. There's a lot of, there's a lot of English speaking, talented people in Indonesia. There are people in Thailand. There's people here in Vietnam, Serbia, you know, is a great Eastern European country where there's a lot of, you know, people looking for work and they're, they're all very affordable. They're, I, one thing I would say is in the Philippines, you can definitely find remote work for, you know, three to five dollars an hour, which is very competitive. But on average, you're probably going to pay more in the Philippines than you would pay in some other countries. You know, you can hire a full time worker, for example, in Thailand for two hundred fifty dollars a month. And, 
you know, $250 a month there is enough for them to to live on. You know, it's basically like minimum wage. It's it's nothing amazing, but they're able to work from home. They don't have to go to a job. And, you know, if they have stable income, that's that's a that's a pretty good bump up for them. If you want to treat them really well, pay them four hundred dollars a month and, you know, they're going to love you because you're giving them, you know, an, a better quality of life. So, the, yeah, I haven't, heard, I haven't heard you mention anything about South Africa. I've been hearing a lot about South Africa. Have you dabbled into that or? I don't I don't have any experience in South Africa and then South America. I know there's a lot of there's a lot of availability, but the, the, you don't have a lot of English down there. So at least not as much as you would have in like Southeast Asia and in obviously in you know Europe. So I, I don't personally have any experience in Africa. And you know? do 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 customers care or, or have a concern as to where the job is being done in terms like I'm just thinking about from a North, my North American uh, lens right now. Does it matter like where the individuals are sitting in this case from a, if I was a customer sitting in New York or sitting in somewhere in Toronto or whatever, does it matter? What's your, what's your impression? Does, does it matter for the customer where the employees are sitting? At the end of the day, no, it doesn't matter. However, mindset wise, I, I would say it, Matt, it people, I would say that business owners care if it's a customer facing or not customer facing, but customer service type position where maybe this person's on the phone. However, you have to remember that Google, Apple, all of these major companies have been using remote workers from around the world, you know, for years now. This is not a new concept. This is something that's been around and massive companies have been utilizing this. So I don't, I think that's just an internal fear that small business owners have. When it comes to like administrative marketing, sales work, stuff like that, you know, I do get a little bit of pushback, but I think mostly that's from not location of where the the remote worker is, but that's from, hey, can I trust these people? You know, are they going to have the skills? Can I communicate with them? They have a lot of questions about that. And, you know, honestly, once they get started, I do have customers give me pushback on that, but once they get started and they start, they hire that first one and and I'm able to help them do that. And so they're able to make a good quality hire. They just, it, they act like their life has changed, you know, because they're to offload this, this big tasks and, and this big problem that they had and it's not costing them a fortune and they're having a great experience because this person's so happy to work for them. And, you know, they're just, they're just ecstatic. So it's just like, if they can get out of their own way, like normally Mm -hmm. we're doing, you know, Mm -hmm. being in our own way, then they can have a great experience for sure. Now let's go back a little bit on, on the entire topic of sales and sales development. What's your idea? What's your thoughts on if a company does not have a sales team, a, do they need to have one? B, of course, it depends. And B, yeah. is this internal or external? And I know I'm giving you a loaded question here. And the other one is the the idea of keeping some components internally, but outsourcing other components to the outside. So what's your general recommendation? I would say keeping everything internal is always going to be best. You're always going to have the most control. You're always going to have the most data collection, um, which when you start looking at growing a business, it's all about data. And, you know, I think a great way to utilize outsourced, you know, whether it's an agency or companies or something is as a source of information. So maybe you hire an outsourced company and you pay them obviously for a period of time and learn what they do. And you can even negotiate a lot of times with these outsourced companies say, Hey, you know, I have no idea how to do this. 
you have a great reputation. I want to learn. Can I pay you for your services? But then I also want to start training my own internal team on this. And then we can transition into kind of like a, a coaching or consulting position for a little while. And then you have your own trained internal team. So I think, you know, and Alex Hermosi, to be honest, that he has this idea and it's a really great idea, you know, of you, I really think you should be hiring your own internal team if you can. And then, you know, utilizing outsource outside sources to keep relevant and get new ideas. And as far as whether a company should have sales teams or not, again, it always comes down to their goals. It comes down to how much they're wanting to grow. Let's assume that a company is wanting to grow. They're wanting to, you know, uh, scale to seven figures, multiple seven figures. You know, uh, you're going to have to have a sales team if you want a quality of life. You're, you're going to have to outsource 98% of your business if you want to have some kind of quality of life. If you want to have flexibility and control over your time, you're going to have to hire out every single position and you're just going to have to be the captain steering the ship. If you want to work forever, all day, every day inside your business and be a slave to your business, then you can try to do as much as possible. So yeah, if you're trying to grow and you're trying to scale your company, you're going to have to hire some salespeople. And I, and I think you agree with me when I say to my colleagues is sales is an investment, not a cost. You know, it's not like you're, you're paying your power bill here or your hydro bill. You're investing in people that are going to be propelling your company, taking your company to the next level. And where people have some time, a hard time thinking about, you know, because if you're in a service environment, business and service environment, you expect every hour to be billable to a customer. A uh, salesperson, of course, they're going to be selling, they're going to be producing revenue, etc. But unfortunately, their hours cannot be billed to a customer unless you're hiring them as a consultant. And part of that consultancy base, you end up selling something. That's an added bonus, but it is an investment and these individuals will take some time to get to know your, your, your business, unless you're hiring them from your competitors who are already familiar with your customers, et cetera, and then it becomes an easy, uh, an easy transition for them, right? Now, one of the things that you, you've probably been through and, and you know, we've all been through, I guess, if you are in a, in a leadership position, is the hiring process for sales individuals, you know, in this case, Let's say I'm hiring somebody who's in sales and they happen to be remote workers. You know, is there any tips you can give the audience on what to look for in an interview process? How do you get to an interview process? What are the key things that they probably should be aware of? So I have quite a few videos on my YouTube channel that go through this. So anyone that wants like like more details or specifics on that, like I would recommend they go check that out. But for some general highlights and stuff, so firstly, I always say you need to hire for tasks, not for position. And so what is what does that mean? It means what is what is it that you're actually going to have this person doing, right? What tasks do they need to get done? And when you're able to focus on the tasks versus a generic position title, you're really going to be focused on the skill sets that the person needs to have. So I think that's the big, the first big thing that small business owners need to be focused on is what actual tasks. So again, for salespeople, are they salespeople? Does that mean they're, what does that mean? Are they going to be on the phone with people? Are they going to be sending emails? Are they going to be doing lead generation? Are they going to be doing account management? Like, what does that mean? Focus on the tasks. And then you know what skills you need to look for in the interview process. And then the second thing I would say is you need to have, especially if you're looking for remote workers, you need to have a really well thought out 
job description. And that means you need to have components in there of specifically detailed out the tasks, again, that you're looking to hire for. You should have all of the positives, benefits of working with your company. You know, a lot of, I think a lot of times, small business owners should be going to hiring thinking like, oh, they need to improve to, they need to impress to me, like why I should hire them. And that is true, but you also want to attract the best quality talent you can. And that means you need to showcase that you're a great company to work for, that you're established, you've been around, you're going to offer benefits. It doesn't have to be a lot, especially with remote workers, but you, you need to show that you've thought about this. So, you know, having your skill sets and your tasks, your job description, and then when it comes to the interview process, the last probably big thing I would really focus on is asking behavior based questions. And so what does that mean? It's like uh, a question that I like to ask a lot because it's really out there. I like to be really random and out there in my interviews because it really makes people think. And so, you know, I'll ask, hey, what is your morning routine? Right. And if you think about it, the way they answer their question says so much. If they say, hey, I get up in the morning and I brush my teeth, I make some breakfast, I read a book, you can tell that this person automatically is organized. They have purpose. They're, they're excited about life and they're passionate about what they're doing. And that means they're going to bring those qualities to your business as an employee. If they go, I mean, I just kind of wake up, raw bed, you know, whatever. And, you know, think about what I got to do. I sit on my phone for an hour. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with sitting on your phone for an hour if that's part of your process. Right. But, you know, if they just don't have, if they haven't thought about it, if they don't have something that they're doing, then that's what they're going to bring to your, your business as an employee. And so, you know, that's not an end all be all question, of course, but, you know, you need to, I think a lot of times we, we tend to focus on, really just what their experience is and exactly what their skill sets are when yep. we can train skills, but we can't train behaviors and belief systems. Those those have to be there already. That's right. And so you're looking for some sort of a, I want to call it a, I, I hate to say that, but you're looking for some sort of a sales DNA versus a, a you know, somebody, and, and then that's our, our industry is famous for that. I've, I've heard people telling me, you know, this person used to be a project manager or a translator, and all of a sudden, you know, they turn to be a, they, they assign them to be a salespeople. And of course, you know, and when, when people are forced or they are put in a situation where they have to change or modify their behavior to meet the new job description, they do that. But normally they revert back to the original who they are as an individual, because we can't change who we are as people. Uh, we can learn a few tricks and trades around, 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 you know, as we, as we move along in life. But at the end of the day, it is who we, we are who we are. And yep. very seldomly, we are able to do a complete 360 in terms of how, who we are as individuals. I mean, so, yeah. Most people can't even take a 25 degree turn, you know, very often. So <laughs> we're, we're pretty, as human beings, we're pretty set in our ways after a period of time. It takes a lot of effort and energy, you know, to, to right. make any significant who we are. So do you do, do you do personality in index, like personality diagnosis and in, in tests? Yeah. I, I'll, you know, like Myers-Briggs is one that I use a lot and this is because I know it very well. I'm very comfortable with it. I've worked with it a lot. And the way I use that is I mainly use it as communication style. So how am I probably going to be communicating with this person? How do they want to be communicated with? How would they perceive 
how I'm communicating with them. And then if it's for like a salesperson, for example, you know, what are they going to be their, you know, perceived challenges? You know, are they going to, you know, enjoy talking to people? Are they, how are they, what's their style going to be of communicating with people? You know, I don't want to hire an introvert, for example, to make cold calls. That would, that's a disaster waiting to happen. You know, okay. right. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> don't take, you know, like I'm going to like, and it's, 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 you know, it's a shame because sometimes, you know, we see greatness in people and we want it, we want to put pull them out of their shell and pull them to greatness that we think we see in them. And it's just like, yeah, but no, you can't, <laughs> you can't. That's right. somebody so yeah, um, sometimes we hit the nail on the head. Sometimes we don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so that's mainly how I use them is just to really understand, you know, communication styles and preferences. I want to mention to our audience that Scott runs a company is called, what's it called? The uh, Scott OSTX? STX Consulting. STX yeah. Consulting. Oh, STX Consulting.co. And you can reach out to Scott. I'll put your website on on, on the video here when, when we're done in the post-editing. But you can reach out to Scott if you're interested in learning more about what he does and how his services may be of help to you and to your company. And again, Scott, very approachable, very, very good to talk to. And even, and even just to strike a conversation with Scott and ask for advice and get to know him a little bit, maybe down the road, there'd be something mutual that you guys can do together. But at the same time, I want to put a plug in here because very interesting conversation, very timely conversation about revenue generation. That's the full concept of this conversation as we start the 2024 year. A lot of people on their mind is what is this year's going to bring in terms of revenue? And what about what, you know, what a best way to start the year by start thinking about my marketing strategy, my content strategy, my sales strategy. Do I have the right team in place? Do I need more people in place? All these good topics of conversation that you can probably engage with Scott on on, on this on, on this one. So, and even though Scott is uh, traveling in, in uh, Vietnam today, but he's reachable on LinkedIn. You can find him on LinkedIn under Scott Cox. That's C O S X. So I want to make sure, make sure that we put that up, put that out there for you for you Scott and for the audience because I feel I feel there's a lot of void, a lot of vacancy in this, right? So because we don't give. A lot of importance. I feel we don't give a lot of importance to sales and marketing. I think it's like a, it's like an added thing down the road. And I've worked with many with many companies who are in an incubation form, right? So they're trying to develop an idea, and they're focusing on the idea development. And every time I get into these conversations, I only I ask the question: So how are you going to commercialize this idea? What is the commercialization strategy for this particular idea? Well, no, somebody must need this, and that's the answer I get. Somebody must need this. Somebody somewhere must need this particular idea that I'm working on or the service that I have. Yeah, there is. You, you know, we always think that we're the only idea in the world. Now, we live in a world where it doesn't matter. The other day, my um, we live in Canada. So one of the biggest things my wife worry about is when somebody walking into the house and keeping their shoes on because then she has to clean the tiles and the floor, tile floor, etc. So she came up with the idea and she was you know, keeping me up at night, telling me, talking about this particular idea where people come in to the house and they put their foot on something and it wraps their shoes with something. And, and she was telling me, hey, Robin, you should create the idea. You should put it out there and start selling. All I had to do, I said, hang on a second. I went to Amazon and there's like a hundred of them. Any idea you come up with, there's somebody else either that created it or variation of it, et cetera. So you're not the only one. You have to assume with that. Right. Yeah. There's very rarely a new idea these days. And, and, and if there is, 
you know, it's a matter of time. There's an expiry date to it. And that's why all patents have an expiry on them. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, what's unique is you. Yeah. Right. What's unique yep. is you. And and again, this is why when you want to approach your sales and marketing, you want to have your audience in mind. You you really want to think about if this problem was a big problem for you, why it why was the solution beneficial? Why is this solution the best that you found? And, you know, you really want to approach your marketing and sales from that perspective and really just come from a source of helping people solving this problem. You know, you know, and and it's not only just that problem, you know, we're very focused on one on one thing here. You know, as you grow a business, you should be identifying additional problems and additional solutions that your audience needs. You know, one of the best ways to grow a company is not just to get more customers, but it's to actually take a customer, solve their first problem, and then figure out what their next problem is, and then solve that problem, figure out what their next problem is, and solve that problem, and just keep doing that. And now if you're helping your customers three to five layers deep, and then now you're getting additional customers on top of that, well, now you have a booming, thriving business. And Honestly, you know, even the biggest companies in the world know this, where you make all your money is in continuing to service your existing customers. It's not oh. in any business in the world. Doesn't matter what business it is, who it is, I don't care. The most expensive, time-consuming process is getting a brand new customer. The biggest customer, the biggest companies in the world would rather find a product. This is why they invest millions of dollars in focus groups and stuff. They would rather just create a new product that solves another need for their, it's why McDonald's went from offering hamburgers, fries, and milkshakes to McRibs and salads and who knows, right? Filet of fish, everything that they have now. You know, it's 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 why these companies do this. Why Amazon went from selling books to now they sell prescription drugs. I mean, what a leap, right? you know, it, it's, it's, we have to find other ways. And and you're only going to do that when you're focused on your customer base and, and who they are and the problems that they have. And you're very, very right on the cost of maintaining an existing customer versus obtaining a new one. And there's nothing wrong with getting a new customer. Everybody loves to get a new customer, but a, if you can grow with existing customer customers, especially for small to medium enterprise with limited mm -hmm. funds, limited budgets, et cetera, it's a lot more profitable. The, at the end of the day is what is the purpose of a business is net profitability. And if you're increasing your net profitability by retaining existing customers and offering more things or more items to sell or more revenue generation opportunity for you, it's win-win for everybody. And that deepens the relationship with your existing customer. That deepens the relationship because existing customer, you become a trusted partner versus just a regular guy who is uh, going to sell them another widget. And that's very important. And, you know, going back to, you know, when, you know, most businesses are not unique in the way they, they offer their services, but what is unique, what is absolutely unique, you cannot duplicate is the relationships you have and the trust that you've built with your market, with your audience, with your customers. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, you need to be, you, 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 yeah, you, you, you have to, I'm trying to collect my thoughts now. Okay. Yeah, I mean, no, you but, know. The, but the point the point I was trying to make is like, look, maybe the opportunity here is to develop strong relationships and build upon those relationships, and then everything else will generate from that, right? Opportunity, new solutions, etc. But you have to have the foundation. Yeah, you, you have to have the customers in the first place to one increase your 
the the value of your product or service to make that product or service better, right? You mm -hmm. you have to have feedback. You have to have uh, reports from your customers to say, hey, this worked for me. This didn't work for me. Hey, you know, this could have been better. Mm -hmm. This was really great. And, you know, that's another important part of scaling in sales and marketing and everything is, you know, like improving your product or service is mm -hmm. only going to your marketing. It's only going to improve your sales efforts. And you have to have certain customers in order to get that feedback in order to do that. And then the other thing is, you know, we want to talk about profitability and scaling and, and, and budgets. You help one customer dramatically change their life in some way or another. They're going to be your biggest fan. They're going to send you referrals. And that's, that's the most profitable way to grow a business. It's not the most predictable, unfortunately, but it is the most profitable way is, is to have, you know, fans out there that are cheerleading you and they're telling all their friends and family about you. And, you know, they're, they're driving more traffic to your business that you're just not having to pay for. Absolutely. As we come close to our end here of this conversation, Scott, I want to thank you so much for coming online with me today. Excellent conversation. I always enjoy talking about sales and marketing and how to grow businesses, et cetera. That's, that's something that's been deep in, implemented into in, in my heart for many years. And thank you again for, I think it's, it's late for you right now. I really appreciate your time and, and coming on the channel. Any last comments before we stop the recording? Uh, I just want to say uh, thank you, Robin, for having me and thank you to your audience. I hope this was helpful. I'm a big value guy. I just try to bring value to people wherever I go, whatever I do. I believe that if I bring value, then, you know, my needs will be met, you know, and, you know, that's, that's what I'm focused on. So I'm happy to help, happy to talk with anyone. You know, if, if anyone wants to watch any more content on this, you can check out my YouTube channel. We post three videos a week there on sales, marketing and hiring remote workers. So, you know, that's, that's where we do all of our education. Everything that I know, everything that you and I will talk about is on my YouTube channel or will eventually be on my YouTube channel. But of course, if you want the, the faster, more organized delivery system of getting that information and you want it specific to your situation, then, then we can absolutely talk about that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just feel free to reach out to me. I'm an open book and, you know, feel free to follow me on YouTube, Instagram and LinkedIn and, you know, pretty much everywhere else. So. Absolutely. And I just want to add, Scott's the YouTube channel is at Nomad Talk. Am I correct? And and the N the zero the O is a zero, correct? Nomad correct. Talk. Yeah. Yeah. Nomad correct. Talk with a zero. Yeah. So if if for our audience, if you want to check out the YouTube channel for Scott, please feel free. Nomad Talk. And for our audience, I want to thank you again. We just came to our end for our first episode for 2020. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for the audience for listening in. And if you made it this far in this video, we thank you so much. And please don't hesitate to click subscribe, like, comment, and share this content with somebody who may be helpful too. And four, and we appreciate your listening in. We appreciate you tuning in. Until next time, this is Robin Ayub signing off. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Localization Fireside Chat. Take the warmth of knowledge and renewed cultural passion with you. Keep exploring. Stay curious. And until next time, this is Robin Ayoub. Keep those global conversations alive.